native people here and to talk about what it means to have a water right and what is our collective responsibility in actions we can collectively take in contextualizing both native water rights and individual water rights to move the agenda of appropriate thinking about water into a new century. Dean? Hi. My name is Dean Vanderwall, and I've lived in the Owens Valley since uh, 1968. I owned the drugstore across the street until six weeks ago. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you sold it? Yes. I didn't know that. So I've lived through lots of uh, issues uh, here in the valley, and I'll be interested to hear what you guys have to say. Uh, Rosanna Maru from Owens Valley Indian Water Commission. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, you guys come on. You gotta be last. My name is Meredith, and uh, I work with the Metabolic Studio, and uh, I've been lucky enough to work a lot with Kathy and, and um, you know a bunch of people around the table. So um, very concerned about our water issues, and spend lots of time. Um, letting people in LA know that their water is coming from somewhere that um, it needs to stop coming from. We need to be more respectful for water and um, just really want to learn from all of you ways that I can tell the story um, to get people to listen and, and find ways to really change um, what LA is doing. So help keep the water up here. It should be flowing up here, not down there. And I'm Kathy Jefferson Badcroft, and I'm a long time hike to show me the reservation travel number. And I'm a jealous <laughs> <laughs> Are you done? I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> My name's Chris O'Hag, one of everybody. Um, those I don't know, I think I'm going to keep it really short, so maybe we can talk after. I'm from Bishop, Bishop Pike Preservation. And, uh, been involved in, to some degree, water issues, I guess. I don't know, I'm constantly learning about it. But I really have, I'm happy to see this group here. I'm excited to learn and talk and share and play my part however that needs to be done. Uh, my name is Sean Dean Chavez. I'm from Bishop. And uh, I grew up there, went away, came back, and uh, not, not much has changed. Politically at all, and uh, so I'm a concerned citizen first and foremost, family man, but uh, and um, tribal council candidate this time around, trying to get in there and change some things for the better. So that's why we we came as a group today, was to uh, to represent our tribe. We're not we're not in there yet, and we may not get in there, but we care. So that's why we're here. We won't be here even if we don't get in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it or not. Be here anyway. Yeah. Um, my name's. Alina Wagner, and I'm a Bishop Bayou tribal member, also a tribal council candidate. Um, really happy to be here, excited to hear everything everyone has to share. Definitely a passion of mine. I actually wrote a couple of papers about water rights just for college classes and stuff, so it's exciting to be sitting at this table with everybody. Thank you. My name is Jaime Lopez Walters. Um, I've been coming here with Lauren for many years and we've been focused on 
water and where Los Angeles gets its water from for a very long time, primarily the Owens Valley, but also looking beyond the Owens Valley to sort of the larger watershed that Los Angeles draws from, including the Colorado um, watershed and the Sacramento San Joaquin watershed. So I'm um, really excited to have this conversation and learn more about what you guys think about your watershed. Do you want to branch out yeah. or we take the turn? Sure. I'm Jen Curtis, and I'm with the Metabolic Studio as well, and I'm really interested in participating in this discussion today. So. I'm Caroline Sager, and I work with Metabolic Studio, and I discovered also um, all these photo issues with the work of Florent, and I can't wait to hear more and uh, how we can be more proactive and support. Hi, I'm Brandon Lee Rodriguez, that's my colonized name. Um, <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> I work with Northeast Trees and um, we're working with Metabolic and this is our second time being up here and as soon as, um, well I know for me, as soon as I heard from it, uh, I was more interested in seeing what we can do and I'm happy to be here and be a big part of this. So. Hello, my name is Miguel. Carmona and I work for Northeast Streets and we're currently working at the Moon. Um, and yeah, I'm interested in learning about all these problems. I have never heard of anything regarding water up here, any problems or nothing like that before Millie had you know informed me about it. So I'm really interested. I wanna know what I can do to help you guys out. <laughs> okay. My name is Diego Zapata. Uh, I also work in Northeast Trees and Metabolic Studio. Um, I'm also a full-time student at Occidental College and I'm majoring in biology and uh, environmental policy. So I think it'd be really interesting to get to know this issue a lot more intimately in order to help um, <coughs> apply myself in, in the issue that is water in Los Angeles. So thank you for having me. My name is Brianna Vaughn. I'm the Water Quality Coordinator at the Chippewa Tribe. And I have to say, the faces here are just so nice compared to most of the meetings that I go to. <laughs> 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 so thank you for bringing uh, Hello, relatives. Always use the word relatives. As maybe you remember from the last time we met, I talked about that, that, that meeting, you know. And, how the Sioux people used to say, a home without the Austin, again, like all my, all my relations. So, uh, I'm with the Owens Valley Water Commission. I'm also working with the Bishop Haiti tribe for the uh, Food Sovereignty Project. Manahu, my name is Terry Redell, and I'm the Executive Director of the Owens Valley Indian Water Commission. I'm also a tribal member of the Bishop Haiti tribe. I grew up in Bishop, spent a lot of my life there, and um, I'm really happy that you guys are interested in our issues and wanting to learn more so you can educate people and help us. And you know, my dream is to see this valley, our homeland, healthy. And that means having the ability as indigenous people to move water in the way that we instinctively know how, you know, where to put it, how to respect it, you know, and treat it like it is, which is a life source and not just a commodity, you know, that people buy and sell. And um, and then also, you know, see Los Angeles, which, you know, takes the water, 
do other things to supply their needs, like look at, you know, getting more into their infiltration and stormwater capture programs that they have and uh, rainwater capture and, um, you know, reclaiming um, <coughs> sewage water and, and so forth. And, and I think that there's a lot of solutions and um, it takes conversations like this and hard work and the desire and, you know, willingness to make changes to make that happen. Thanks for having us and thank you for the wonderful dinner. It's really good. <laughs> My colonial name is Harry coming on into things that have been just kind of stalemated for years and years and it's kind of like well how do we move these forward how do we look at it at a, in a different perspective and I think it's so important to our people because it's our it's everything to us it's our culture it's our food it's our medicine it's it affects everything across the board so I'm glad we're having these conversations so thank you Jesse Archer um, big pine tribal member and I work with Terry and Rosanna at the Owens Valley New Water Commission. Thanks for having us. I'm Paul Hewitt, a Big Pine Tribal member. I, I'm a waste, water and wastewater operator for the tribe. I sit on the Owens Valley New Water Commission and Environmental Advisory Board. So this really touches home to me. I mean, anything with water and land and all that stuff. I want to thank you guys for, you guys, it always feels good here. Like it just feels welcoming. Besides the food, you know, I mean, it's just, uh, it's, you know, that's how I always get in there. <laughs> but I mean, this, 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 this place in here is just really comfortable, safe, and, uh, and I just want to thank you guys again. Everybody coming together like this is a, it's a good thing, you know, strength in numbers and, and not just for tribes, you know, I mean, outside of our tribes, it's communicating with other people. It's hard for us because Water's getting scarce, and, and we're getting taken advantage of up here. So, thank you. Uh, hello, my name is Alan Baycock. I'm a Big Pine tribal member, and I work for the tribe as their water program coordinator. And, uh, yes, issue of water rights. I don't know, I might digress our issue if I shared what my thoughts are on just the whole idea of water rights. But, um, but if we're to move forward, I think we need to get rid of the whole concept that we've come to think of as rights, water rights, property rights, all these things. Hi, my name is Monica. I'm a New York Tribal member. Um, I'm a 
awesome student, and I'm here to learn more, and I'm very grateful and thankful to be here, and hopefully one day become an attorney so I can fight, fight promote the earth and your children. My name is Nicholas. I'm from Los Angeles area. Came up today. I was just here last week. Thank you for Lauren and Metabolic Studio, Millie, Meredith, for getting me back up here. I'm Shumash and Kuya, travel person from downtown. Um, I just recently moved to Los Angeles. It has to be has to be about a year ago, and I've always tried to stay away. <laughs> right. I, do a lot of, I do a lot of conservation work with uh, advocacy on, on native plants and habitat. And recently, the big issue for me has been water. And the anger it gives me that you know that it's so wasted where I live and how it leaves the beautiful Sierras. It doesn't it hardly touches your land and it gets shipped off in a pipe and to be wasted by a, an area of people who can hear and bless about the importance of it and. I'm here to support my my Paiu family and whatever you need and support down there and, and be an advocate and try to do everything I can to, to raise awareness. It's, it's, um, I do a lot for, for indigenous advocacy because we're at ground zero where our lives are destroyed. I'm glad to see so much open space, but you know it's nothing it doesn't mean anything the water's not here for that health and well being of your land and you know, I'm here to just support you in any way I can possibly. So thank you for
Does anybody want to jump in on that one? Uh, well, is that what I remember too? Is that is that what you remember too? Okay. <laughs> how, how many of us remember that? <laughs> that seems to be a good place to to maybe uh, rem remind ourselves of a little bit of what was said be beyond that. But I it certainly stuck in my mind this whole month, and I really felt that we needed to go farther with that discussion. But I can't really remember the specifics of how we got there. Does anybody? <clears throat> I sent the notes around, but I haven't read them yet. <laughs> <laughs> Can I, I'll, I'll yeah. share something just yeah. because I don't want to stand because I don't like sitting too much. Um, yeah, in-game capitalism. That's interesting the way you put it, but what really stuck out, stuck out to me is when we like driving back, I was like, Lauren's traveled all over the world. And she wants to be in Owens Valley. around the Sierras. I mean, I haven't traveled that far, but I have enough perspective to know where, you know, you know like that person has some perspective. So um, that was really evident to me. You know, I can't remember if right around that time or right before or after I went to Arizona and, and helped screen the Paya film to a, a group in, it was a One Young World conference. Mm -hmm. So it was a global youth conference by 18 to 30. Um, it was eye-opening for me to kind of gather and interact with people with that type of a framework for discussion and then um, yeah so I've been really appreciating where we're at here what our strengths are what our leverages are um, because yeah I mean if if you might be able to be anywhere in the world and then you want to be here I'm like what the heck let's get to work <laughs> Yeah, it's all about building community at the end of the day. I feel like you know, even though we're working within our tribal jurisdictions, our rights, hopefully, I feel at the end of the day, this is what's the most important in building community. So, especially if you're talking Indian capitalism, because what comes after that? Time to start thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody else remember where how we got to that marker in the road, Mon? To me. Why up on the, the yeah. statement? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I forget exactly what she said, but when she touched on, touched on how how uh, in a precarious situation we are in in the world, not just here in Owens Valley, but just everywhere. And I think that's what what uh, me got me thinking about the subject. And uh, you know, it's kind of a, almost uh, I almost brought uh, my packet of EF Schumacher Society <coughs> notes in, and one of the articles was. Capitalism, whatever you banker, economist uh, should know about. And, um, but I didn't. <laughs> 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 and afterwards, I was just talking with Jennifer, uh, and she she asked because Terry brought up an article that was in the Water Commission, I think in 1993, and was talking about our kind of our indigenous overview or perspective of, of nature, water, you know, land and everything. And uh, and so I, I did bring that article, but uh, I'm, I'm hoping that we can, uh, you know, and after thinking about, you know, get to know a little more about your family and is your, your grandfather, the one that was the publisher? Yeah. Uh, how we really, uh, for, for our struggle, our movement, Having someone to, to print and publish and put out our information would be uh, 
ideal, and there's a this uh, lady, uh, Monica? Monica. From Harrington Pike Track. My, my late uncle was the chairman here for the struggle. My, my dad's younger brother. Anyway, uh, <laughs> they put out a uh, new Mayoral, uh, uh booklet. It's all about it's all their all their uh, news uh, tribal newspaper articles, all compiled in clean booklets. And I, I look into that all the time because we have a little library called uh, the Winnipeg uh, uh, program as a library and. And so I'd, I'd really like to see us put, start putting things together from, from our, our writings and get it out to educate ourselves, our community, because a lot of times things that was written in, in tribal newsletters and, and the Owens Valley Indian Water Commission newsletter uh, isn't passed on to the younger generations. Well, so we discussed that, how there should be a digital archive yeah. for every single thing that we've published, because the problem with well, the thing with the newsletter, too, is it comes out and then 15 days later, you receive it like, halfway through the month, and half the stuff's gone. <laughs> and then the, the council meetings as well should be online for everybody to see. Everything really should be digital archived. So, I'm, I'm grateful again to, to continue this dialogue and hopefully, hopefully we'll, we'll get something in, in, in writing that way. I used to think that Taibo in Northern Paiute and Western Shoshone meant white man. That it means my brother who teaches language said it actually means what, uh, who writes, who's the people that write, record. So I like that word. So I'm a, oh, I want to be a Taibo. Let me interject here. This whole water engineering geishi ditches, I basically, wrote this story. If you guys want me to talk about it, I can for 30 minutes if you guys are interested. Or you guys want to talk about other stuff. All the way down to the water rights. Any objections? <laughs> no. It would be a privilege. Yeah. Please share. Uh, I've been studying, walking. Pi is my story. It was recorded on Pi as a documentary. Uh, basically, uh, the water Ancient irrigation ditches we created and we, uh, we got the idea, all the studies I've done has pointed out to one report of 800 years. But I, I basically take it down to a thousand years. I was in a documentary called uh, Obsidian Trail in Amy Gilbert. At one point the, the story goes, a thousand years ago the obsidian uh, production just really dropped off. She had a scale went up and down. Then it just dropped off. And when I watched it again last year, I kind of realized, well, hunting was the thing of food sources. But then I realized what was something replaced the honey. So it had to be the ancient irrigation ditches. And so that's the word I'm going to use. That's what I'm telling you, because basically everybody looks at me as the expert. I don't look at it myself. But there's still a lot more for me to learn. But that point and the massiveness of these ditches, we when we GPS them and stuff, we went up to Alabama Hills, Hogback, and every creek, all the way to Short Grade, was used in ancient irrigation ditches. Yeah, Bishop area, 70% of the ditch systems used today were already in ancient irrigation ditches. Brown Valley, that place, 
as Von Smith wrote about in 1855 56, was the most uh, irrigated place. Almost every creek up there is still being used today were Indian ditches. They just expanded and made them. But in my walks of this entire valley and my GPS, and I really looked at this area as a marvel. Captain Davidson and Von Smith, both when they traveled through here, they just described. Captain Davidson said this place was bloomed like a rose. He said, that, and then he also mentioned that the engineering that made some of these ditches were comparable to that day's engineering. And today, when I walk some of them, I'm so amazed how flat some of them are. People always ask me, uh, "What? How do you distinguish them?" And I had to ask myself, "How do I distinguish them there from a, a modern-day ditch?" Most of them have no berm. And if you don't understand our people from the past, they revered Mother Earth. They didn't try to leave the least, least of scar. Mm -hmm. So what they did was they spread the dirt. They did just put it on there. Today, you back up, stick it on one side. Back up, stick it on one side. And another, I've learned a lot of history by studying these ditches. There was only basically three types of uh, trees in this area on the valley floor. Uh, the black uh, willows, the cottonwood, and uh, some other small tree, but pine trees, why they call big pine, uh, big pines, the entire creek system was, as uh, uh, Captain Davidson described, just tall, perfect trees. There was over 12 uh, uh, summer, uh, lumber mills in this area that took all the trees away. But to describe this area in 1856, Juan Smith came in from the south. He described from Alabama Hills up there, we were GPS did. Two other creeks, right above by Hogback. Then we go down by Big Pine. I haven't seen the ones on like Division Creek and all those ones, but once we hit Tinnemaha area, we went out and GPSed us other places. Uh, I tried to describe a few places where they view the uh, elk. On the east side of the road, there's Indian ditches. Every place is Indian ditches. The ones by uh, Indian Camp, we hit by Poverty Hills, north of there. They have grinding stones, they have freshwater clams. There's a ditch right below them. It's like they plumbed the entire valley. The, it increased the groundwater levels. Because uh, people I used to ask me, well, what did they do? I said, they, is a question I had to ask myself as I'm walking these things. They were so, some of them were so flat, it wasn't intended like we look today. I had my garden over there, I want to get the water to it. Everything was a garden. All of the uh, alluvial fans areas and the bishop from Big Pine on up. Hot Ditch has got one that comes up there. It goes almost all the way to, to Wilkerson, Big Pine. There's ones above the reservation, current reservation. And then at the, the new building out there on the north of uh, Big Pine. That whole area was Indian ditches. Above Grapevine, if you guys know where that there is, Indian ditches. We GPS them up there. I took them to other places above there. It goes above that meadow, above Rolling Green Terrace. Every place, every creek, I still see them today because of the current drought. I still find them because everything started dying that all of a sudden you could see the, the, the swallows, where these ditches are. There's one place on the east side or the north side of 395 above Mill Pond where it goes all the way, comes across from Rocky Cay, goes across, goes across 395, 
right above the gun station, and it goes and there, goes all the way back up almost to Pleasant Valley Turner, and then it goes across a flat base where they push dirt up. Lauren, I'd love to give you a tour of these days if you're interested. Absolutely. I'll blow your mind away some of the places I've found. And they, for about a quarter mile, they push dirt up to get the water to the other side. And then it goes all the way, every little curve in the terrain goes in and out and in and out. But all the way where it's going to drop into the Owens River uh, Basin, at the end there's no sign of water ever reaching the end. Because there's no gully or nothing. That's when I realized that's what they did. They looked at everything as water is life, and they spread water. It lifted the groundwater table. And all of those places where Julian Stewart marks where they had their major uh, seed gathering areas, they were all Indian ditches. Because they didn't run the water out to the, all these plants. They just lifted the groundwater up. So everything got life. And when you bring life into area, not only the grasses, the animals, the birds, it was life, and it was like plumbing the area. And in some places, like in South Marlow, it's called the Hillside Ditch today, but it was an Indian ditch. It comes from the mouth of Bishop Creek area. It comes all the way through. I walked it. Right? That was one of the beginning places I ever walked. And it taught me a lot. And then I got the chance to look at Joel Inhouse. He collected a, a book from somebody in Independence. It was a plot book from 1914. And from when I got to see it once, we showed from the South Barlow, the canal system, where that hillside did everything north of that was green. 1914 plot. I, I don't know if we'll ever get it back. But that taught me you know, the difference in the area, complete where DWP came in. So I've walked major, major miles of places, GPS a lot, with, along with Jenna and all of our crew. Uh, Paya, we've done so many places. We GPS 62 places that were uh, transected by Von Smith in 1855 and 56. We were lucky to get the last 32 places because the U.S. government hid many of the uh, Von Smith stuff. They've done that with a lot of the record zones Valley, you had to go to San Bruno, maybe to LA, maybe to, they just moved them all around so it made it almost impossible for people to go and study this valley. In the 18th or 1960, right, 68, DWP ordered their employees to dump all their maps and everything. But an employee in Big Pine or Independence called his friend, his friend picked up all this stuff, he took them to the dump, he went and picked them up. So a Joel Inhouse in the 1990s uh, was studying, this guy heard about it, so he gave Joe a lot of material, and hopefully we just got it back for the Bishop Tribe. But our last stuff we got was from BLM, the last 32 sites that brought us all the way down to Alabama Hills, and all over, places more on the valley floor, where uh, they were in our local office. Uh, we were lucky two years ago, or probably about three now, to have dinner with uh, one of the uh, new uh, hydrologists. And we talked to him, and he fell in love with Jenna. And I can't deny that. He was just there all smiling. And me and Jenna just said, that guy's good. We're going to use him. He's going to get stuff. He's the one that got us the last 32 sites. I don't care how it looks or whatever it is. We got those last 32 sites. We want GPS. But it proved that we, had, we used it in a beneficial manner. 
and I've had the chance to meet with Department of Water Resources Control Board's lawyers when they came here two years ago now to tell us about the groundwater uh, legislation. I met with them in an alley. Uh, I told them about these ancient irrigation ditches, and then I actually was going to Berkeley too to talk about the, any perspective on water rights uh, or just the political atmosphere about water in Owens Valley because uh, most of the people don't understand Owens Valley is studied on water rights. I've been to several water rights symposiums in the deep, uh, Davis, and there's a chapter on this. Most local people don't understand. Berkeley, they understand all these people that educate themselves. They don't realize we are a big part of studying water rights. And one of them is how colonial powers like DWP came in to this area, bought it all up, hook and crook and stole it. They're still buying water rights in this area when they're not really supposed to. Uh, Reed's place in that, out at the, uh, uh, by uh, Oak Creek and Independence, they bought land which in the, even in the long uh, long-term water agreement says they're not supposed to do it, they did it anyway. But uh, which uh, place is that, Harry? Uh, Reed Watson's place of Big Five. I was I offered to when Big I first met you. Big Five. Oak Creek is yeah. but, but Oak Creek they so, bought another <coughs> ranch. He bought it recently. It was after the Oak Creek fire. Okay. Yeah. They bought it, but oh, they actually the bought the water rights. And Reed Watson's he had like six fish ponds here. He bought that area. He made. He, he just really transferred. Now they they weren't supposed to buy it, but I still don't know how if it went through because Reed kind of married this one woman and she was a bit nutty. But, uh, <laughs> her family took over those rights, but they could never find her to sign it. So I don't know if that ever happened. Uh, so this whole yeah, the Reed Watsons. Didn't they buy it before it was ever even put on the market? Yeah, they, they actually offered it. No, it was on the market. Reed just, wanted the Big Pine tribe to have it. Yeah. yeah. They couldn't compete. They didn't have the money. So you can see. But I'm still not sure if that went through because that one lady kind of just disappeared. No, she was around. They, she signed it. That's fantastic. But that was sad. That is sad. Such a neat property, too. You know, our people, I would say, it took us a long time before we were able to to put an offer on the table because we don't have a whole lot of money to make fire. And so when we were able to do that, we had a lot of vision, a lot of dreams, and it took our whole community to to, to say yes. And, and then to, you know, DWP didn't go through the realtor like you're supposed to, but, but went around the back end and, um, yeah, well, and, and then, you know, they did things not right within their own charter of doing things and how they went about making that decision at their board level. So it was it was not a good situation for us. So when, when did that happen? That was 2005. No, 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 no. Five that was, yeah, it was about 2010. Um, I was just going to say, Harry, I think um, just in order so that everybody can speak, okay. we should we should limit things, but it would be wonderful if we could interview you and record the story and, and talk about things offline, but since we have everybody here, I think it's, it would be... Okay, let me finish off. I, when I start talking about Mayor Ann, Department uh, Water Resources Control Board, I met with her three times. The last time was in December, this last December. And sorry, who who? Her name's Marion Alley. From from Department what? Department of Water Resources Control Board. She came here for the groundwater legislation to describe 
the impact it would have on the tribes. And I had mentioned it, and uh, one, of my, one of my times of going to Berkeley, we had lunch with her, uh, or dinner, and we just loved talking. And then the last time I talked to her was last December. I went over to the California EPA Indian Advisory Committee, and she's in the same building. So we talked again, and she threw every argument she could at me. And she just straight off said, the way you argue it, you'd win. Because the main thing is the California state law says that first in time, first in line. And Von uh, Smith proved that we use this land in a beneficial manner, the water. And that's all that mattered. And she did, well, I lived in Ohio, she used everything I me. And I had comebacks for because I've been studying this argument with myself. And she just said, you win. And that's in my hope. The last time the tribes together, I finally got them to talk, and they finally realized, okay, we do have these rights. The first time, I don't know, they ever agreed on anything. I don't know. But I told them, I'm burning out. I'm tired of talking, trying to convince my own people that they have these rights. Uh, they didn't want to listen to me, but when I brought Jenna in, boom, they wanted to listen to her because she was a scholar. And I always use this term, God, my own people would rather listen to white people than listen to me. <laughs> and many times that is true. I don't have degrees, I don't have all this stuff, but I've walked, been places. I knew the rights, and that's how I look at it. And now I tried to, we, uh, Chris did a report for Big Pine Tribe, and it was viewed by four professors in Davis and two lawyers from down south. And right now, it could go to court and basically win. But to convince my own people, that's a new whole game. So I'm glad you're talking about it in a different manner. I've been pushing this issue for, gee, nobody wanted to listen to me in 96. They just said, Harry's off doing whatever. But that's my reality. And I'm glad to see everybody here right now, especially uh, you. you uh, you're from LA, and you've got all these young people from LA understanding that we have rights up there. We had our own democracy. Devezu was elected person. We had our own government until July 11, 1863, when they corralled him up in uh, Independence and forced him out. That commander just turned around and said, now we officially take control of this area. That's one of the linchpins of the board. So you guys can keep talking. Thank you, Harry. Thank you, Harry. So if we finish our recap <laughs> of, last, of last week, does any, does, last time we were all together, does anybody have any other things that they wanted to share on a group level for people who are new? That well, I think that you mentioned that you, you uh, were providing some water rights for your project. project yeah. And that you wanted to somehow try to bring some of that back up to the Owens Valley yeah. to try to keep some water here. So. I was kind of wondering, you know, what, what, what you had in mind with that? Like, what, what, what was your plan? Another project like you got going on down there? Well, my, 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 my leveraging moment is now. I, I, I obtained the first private water right in the city of Los Angeles. Right. And if I go ahead and build this water wheel and give all the water that we pull out of the LA River to the city and the state, I would like to request that they leave the same amount up here. And I would like to figure out, based on our conversations, 
how that's not a lot by the way it's a hundred acre feet right. so it's a token gesture but it is a leveraging point that I thought would be a good conversation opener with this discussion what could and what would a reasonable ask for a gift of a hundred acre feet of water to city parks do for this community and what would the ask be? Because it would be a, a condition of the gift. So that was, and I don't, I have not progressed that idea because I, I really want to learn more from these series of discussions about what people here think could be done with that in perpetuity. That's a hundred, that's a hundred acre feet in perpetuity for free to the city and the state because it's a state park and city parks that are getting this and it seems like it's time for an act of reconciliation with the gift of the water that we simply take without even acknowledging that it's a gift to receive you know what what LA has done successfully over a hundred years is take without consciousness from this environment and give away for almost free something that most people don't even know has value. And we're living through the end of that system. It's failing, not just with this pipeline, but with Hoover Dam and the entire hydraulic system of the Intermountain West. So it seems that this, the poetics of the gesture, right, is something that we could sharpen our pencils together on so that it's not my idea but comes from this opportunity to think collectively. Yeah, we were just having a little informal conversation on the way home after our last meeting because you were saying exactly what you just said and um, you know I'm sure there's a lot of a lot of ideas out there but for me, what I'd like to see is, you know, maybe taking that water from one of the main sources and moving it down through one of the irrigation networks, you know, in a really good, healthy way, and try to revive some of the, the plants that were, you know, the, the indigenous people subsided on, like the, um, um, Taboos, thank you, Bonnie. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and and I know you know you guys really like to incorporate art into you know projects. So there's I think a way that that element could be brought in and and then just showing how you know a, a successfully you could use a hundred acre feet of water. You know and where that would be. You know I don't know, but I think it would there would be a lot of people that would be interested in learning about it so if people are traveling up from Los Angeles you know we can you know somehow have media you know getting it out there so they know hey we can go look at this and this is where you know the water originates from this is how it was traditionally used and you know look at how nice and green this area is and look at the you know the plants and the animals that come because of those plants and you know that could be the beginnings of you know a better management practice for the water here in the valley I, 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 think, I think that sounds like a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you were thinking something like that too, right? Like basically allowing 
one of the streams that come off the mountains to not be touched, yeah. you know, and, and to let it be as a demonstration project, which could potentially re release other streams, mm -hmm. you know. Um, I think that's a very, a very interesting idea. <laughs> that could snowball into a whole lot more because a whole part, like a big part of reclamation is using the, using the land. Their argument for a lot of things is not only do they, you know, they legally own it, but we're not using it. We're not out for these, using it for cultural purposes anymore. If you fill that one ditch and show it in that traditional way and show that that, like you said, it's been used in a beneficial way, what's to say we couldn't do the entire irrigation one day? And like you said, if it does what it, if it, if it rewaters the valley from below, that that brings the whole entire valley back back up to where it was. And we, and we can't control that if we can. Yeah. Can get enough back. And what's what's nice about this is that it's not as an artist, I'm able to discuss this in a non-threatening way. It's not like saying, take the system apart. Yeah. It's saying we want a reciprocal action for this gift. Why should why should Owens Valley be left out of this too? If this is actually a a project that is about an act of consciousness that the act has to be reciprocal. They, they must receive the same amount that the city is receiving, and that would be an easy PR relationship for them, too. You know, they'll be like, oh, just like with 100 mules walking the LA Aqueduct, they were very excited to receive a, pr a free PR upgrade from us. They didn't want me riding. <laughs> really? Where's my picture of LA still sucks on my shoulder? I have it. I have it. <laughs> Sticker too. <laughs> 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 it's still sucks. Still sucks on Valley Drive. That's good. That's good. <laughs> 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 in the 70s when they first started writing there, was the other bumper sticker said, This the river, LA needs water. Flesh twice, LA needs water. So that's the history you guys need to know about too. It wasn't no. It just made me mad when they, the governor or Mayor Garcetti said, The wars are over. It's like, yeah, what? It's <laughs> just screwing us over. It's just like, just because you said it doesn't mean it's real. Yeah. Yeah. He also said it's a waste to put water on the Long's Lake. That's a waste to put water. Yeah, well, spend your billions of dollars. I don't care. But it's, a, it's a lake. 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 It's People don't realize when they dried up that lake, its evaporation had an effect so far. The mountains east of the lake, they got the water that, just like a lake effect in, over in the east, it created more life. The valley by drying it up, you're drying up these mountains too. You know, so there's a big effect that people don't realize. They'll see. I was wondering if, um I vaguely remember last time talking about the 100 acre feet, and it was explained. Did you explain oh, that that's actually the, not? Oh, yeah. That is a large amount of water. I don't remember. Yeah, the calculation. It's, uh, yeah. about 32, 32 million, a little over 32 million gallons of water. Because, like, when you say that's not that much water. I mean, compared. I know, yeah. I know, but I just <laughs> personally, that yeah. is I really try to wrap my head around it, personally. I ask Jen Rozier all the time, what, how much, how many, how much livestock could you feed, you know, with 100 acre feet? You know, like, how, how can you quantify 
that potential because I know for a lot of people who are packers, ranchers, um, the, the question of the future of their industry is connected to the cost of water. Um, and so it's hard enough to make ends meet you know, but if you make ends meet just merely and your cost of water goes up, that's the end of the game. So, you know, I, yeah, hi, I was just going to say one way to visualize it is over time as well, rather than one big yeah. body of water. But, like, if you're talking about a creek or releasing water, um, the water wheel is going to be pulling 80 gallons per minute year-round, 24 hours a day, seven days a week probably not 365 days a year because there's going to be some storm days. But that's what that the number is based on, is that we're pulling 80 gallons per yeah. minute. And so if you were to release 100 acre feet over a year in the valley, it would also be 80 gallons per minute, which is equivalent to about, say, 10 garden or eight garden hoses you know, going full blast all the time. That's roughly yeah, it's what just, that would look like. It's a small amount, but I mean, you're going to work. It'll, it'll be a start, you know. It'll be a start, and I think that, and I think that it's important because the water. If we're able to to leverage this potentiality up here, there would be a demonstration project of pure water, with as a as a you know that's very different than what we're receiving, which is I, I try to say to kids who ask me, you know, where. We're, you know, we our water is to water what Velveeta is to cheese. <laughs> it's like a water product, you know, and, and that's a very different thing than water that's allowed to come down off the mountain. So if we can get that same amount of water to be left here, that's a very powerful part of the motivation for me to do the project. Um, because there's lots of problems with this project, right? <laughs> lots of problems with it. Um, well, I'd say, I'd say too. I mean, including my water right, because I don't believe in water rights. <laughs> so that's a very big problem for me, and the only way around it is to form a new nonprofit and give it away as soon as I, because I'm the last person in the world who wants a water right. <laughs> I don't believe it. I don't believe that water is a human right, and I believe that we need to rethink our entire notion of what belongs to the commons of all living things and not just human beings. Um, but I have this opportunity <laughs> to do something no matter how token it is, and I, I don't know that I would do it if I cannot keep some water in the valley, because that's my heart piece. To just do all of this and give water to three parts is, you know, it's a tough, it's a tough pill to swallow. There's a lot of problems with that. One of the comments LA always makes it says it's, it's our water and we ain't gonna give none of it up. I know, I know they say that. Yeah, they say that, and uh, I really like that because I know a ditch would be perfect to put the water in. Or you could actually do them one area, Bishop, Big Pine, I don't know about Lone Pine, their ditch is just But it that. could also be yours yeah. to define. In yeah. other words, you know, if you knew that they would retain it, then uh, you guys okay. would be the council that decided it, which would also could be used differently depending on need or, you know, that's the thing about in perpetuity. As long as that water's going there, I mean, it's kind of the reverse thinking. Because yeah. once we talked to UFP and do, because they said they had too much water, so it's not the clearance markers, it spread so much. 
<clears throat> so what they did is on the, the, the canal that's on South Bardo, they filled it up and water went all the way to Rossi Hill. Because as it's only in your benefit that the water can seep down in the ground because uh, all that uh, DD is real permeable and it just goes down. But they'll end up pumping it out later. But those are things I really like. But their whole thoughts this, these years are about water banking. And they got already got a place east of, or west of Jawbone Canyon where they're proposing pumping water or taking the water over here and it's too much still. Water bank it down down there, so that scares me because they're always over pumping us. I can tell you, spats me about that, but, you know, you <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm really glad that you're talking about that because we need more help than just us. Because they, like me, they marginalize me. They just look at me. That's an angry Indian guy. We don't want to listen to him anymore. <laughs> uh, it doesn't mean I don't say it. Keep talking. Okay. Okay. And Karen raised a really good point. I'd like to ask, I know you don't want to delve into the political stuff, but it, it, it raises, Terry brought up a really interesting scenario. And what makes me curious is what Karen just said with regards to the market. And that is absolutely fact. If they have extra water, they want to spread it. They won't, because whenever they create type B vegetation, according to the North Valley Water Agreement, they didn't have to maintain it. So if they, we have it on our lease all the time, where there's extra water, and it's just shut up and keep your mouth shut, because they're going to turn it out. We take it, but don't ever, don't ever try to get that match or, or um, um, document it. Document it. Thank you. In any way, because then. They feel like along with the water agreement, they have to then continue to provide water to that. So it ends up being this double-edged sword that comes back at you. And I just think if you're, it might might be something to consider in today. Yeah. So. yeah, you are saying in perpetuity as well. So you really want them to be doing this long term. So and so it's there's a the, bit of the water that. agreement comes into that as all I guess because there is a, a, an element of the water agreement that addresses that that almost works against. I think that that's LA and how they're using it because they've taken away type B vegetation just by saying we don't have to, like the Bartel Parcel and Big Plant. Can you describe what type B vegetation means? Type B. Yeah, there's in the long term water agreement, there's different types of vegetation that they've classified. So type E is irrigated. Uh, lands and okay. so, so that's yeah it's not the type A which would be the, the vegetation type that's uh, rainfall dependent uh, but type E that is irrigation dependent vegetation. Alan can you explain what happened at the Bartel site? I know that the lease was up but I didn't know that they let um, plants die at some point. Well so in Big Pine there's a, a lease and it, the lease was not up. What happened was, can I, yeah, I can share it, because we're in we're family, right? That's what Tony <laughs> said. I mean, we, we've got a, we have a rancher that, um, that had a, um, that had a, a well that, that was going dry, and, and he complained about it. And part of the long-term water agreement is that if, if, if LA's water um, pumping is, is causing a detriment to your water source, then they need to be able to provide a water source for you. And so 
it took them a long time to finally get that water source by LA, but he finally got, got a new well. And then it wasn't that long after that um, that this this parcel, which is right along 395 as you're traveling north on, on 395 through Big Pine, um, he had a parcel of land that was getting water. Um, he'd been getting water for decades. Um, and and Caltrans went and, and redid uh, the Highway 395 through there. When asked about the culvert that went from one side of the street to the other side of the street to get water over to that land, DWP said, we, we don't want to put a culvert in there. And that's what led to then the, the Bartel parcel no longer having water because water, there was no access point to it anymore. Uh, the person then saw the, the fields dry up because it couldn't get water. And then it became a fire hazard. And then eventually, DWP took that away because of the fire hazard it had become. Now it just blows off dust. Well, and they've talked about some different things like recycling water and turning it into an yeah. orchard or a community yeah. garden. And this is where the county has come to the community services district of Big Pine really rush and saying that they've already talked with the tribe and the tribe is ready to play. And I knew, that I didn't think that was the case from talking to you. And, um, and you know, there are all these questions about recycled water and growing food on Main Street next to kids, next to the tribe. And, and whenever the um, Community Services District Board asked the folks at in the county, well, what about the situation that you're talking about? And to them, they had bigger fish to fry, was basically the sum of their answer. It wasn't a fight big enough for them worth fighting. So these things, while they're written in the water agreement, we don't, we don't, you know, we don't have the resources to fight. We don't have the, the manpower, and we don't have the money. No one has the money to fight DWP. The tribe did provide a workshop to the Board of Supervisors on this issue while it was occurring to try to get the county to, to do something and help up that, that rancher, but just, there was nothing that the county decided um, was, was in their best interest to do. So as you know, through um, the, the current planning um, grant that's going through the Irwin, this is a um, like scoped project or their feasibility study to see how they can actually pump water back from the sewer ponds in Big Pine, process it, and bring it back to that area. So they weren't able to get backing from both the CSD, which I sit on the board and I talk with Alan quite a bit, from the tribe, um, to do the project really help. I mean, they came with it written and they had the tribe's signature on the line and you know, they're, they're just saying things I think that weren't appropriate. Um, and really trying to push this through and get money, even though they didn't have enough information on this type of project. And so now they're doing a feasibility study. And to me, it almost seems like just to get a project in and do something, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of question marks with that. There are a lot of question marks. 
My comment has nothing to do with that project, but if you want to go back, feel free. Uh, this is something I read in one of our local papers and then also heard from one of our elders who worked for DWP. I'm not sure when it occurred, but you know, it had to do with the gorge and, and the water that comes out of the gorge. You know how they had the leak at some point in their movement, uh, their construction, and then water got in the gorge and then vegetation came out and then they, Fish. what, is it the water? Yeah, the water agreement. Did it Fish. kick in or something where they had to keep it rewatered? Or no, that was for sure in the stream. You can't deny the water. So check this out, and I don't know what that when happened, but I have someone. This elder said, that, "Yeah, they were always put to work down there as soon as they did that, picking up and sacking those fish. You know, before, just like the day before or the morning before, those people came. You know, the inspectors. What? That was that's what they paid their employees to do." Is, is duck the water agreement. So but how do you guys put the fish wow. in there after that water came in? That's <laughs> not the water agreement. That that's how you want it. State law. Okay, so that's fishing game. Because fishing game is coming shut put down. Right? Okay, so up there. In the so I mean, that was like those are little things they like said are common practice. I mean, the water going into a, a piece of extreme and recreating life is something that's naturally going to happen. How do you? Is when that happens exactly what they don't want to happen? Yeah. And then. And when that happens, they get neutralized by another outside agency, right? Being well, fishing game. They were forced to rewater the water chapter. Right, right. They were rocking up that six too, that same thing. Same thing. So, so they got caught that time, but there's numerous times where they just tell their employees to sack those fish, you know? So, I mean, they're... they're it's just the same thing like type B or any kind of vegetation. They don't want anything to grow because once it grows, they have to water it. But our entire valley's dying. And when the Unvalley Committee first came on in the early 80s, people were going out and putting black ribbons around dead trees. Now they got all mad at everybody. But it was just symbolizing that they had killed this area's own. And that's how, the, you know, we, the only way we've been able to fight back. Our county doesn't do it. The, first, the reason why we have long-term water is because uh, Frank Fowles, he was a district attorney. CEQA had just been passed, so he found a way to sue DWP. It took him over 20 years of litigation, but then we ended up with the long-term water agreement. And they spent every time since then trying not to live up to it. They just, I mean, counties never had balls enough to fight them back. I remember one time Terry and I were on the Inyo County Water Commission, and I remember we were on the standing committee going to my first, and the Santa community had not met in many, many years. They wouldn't come up here because they were as careless. Until I went. But oh. we met, we met at, uh, downtown, and uh, I remember our little county council, Bob Her or our county council, Bob Harrington, our water department director. Great James. Cheers, yeah, well, um, uh, yeah, great You're James, and then the other guy, yeah. And then a whole bank of lawyers. Where was that? Downtown here or downtown LA? LA. Oh they, my god. They shipped the meetings once in LA, once up here. And um, they hadn't met in many, many years at that time, so the first one was still there. I bet there was 20 lawyers in the hall sitting around. I bet you weren't chuckling like that when you walked no, in. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's super intimidating. It is. It is. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> that says a lot about you. <laughs> 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 yeah. 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 
I haven't gotten Neil Day's hats. I've been at our local standing committee meetings, technical group meetings, and I've asked Clarence, what are you doing here? Well, they just want to bring more troops in to back them up. And that's what they do. They, uh, they got over 900 employees in this area, all the way to Alpine County. So we only got 80,000 people in our county. Let's say 700 or more people would be employees and their families. So we are intimidated. We are everything. And they are paid really well. They are paid extremely well, so nobody here argues against them. Yeah, we benefits too, right? Just a side note on Clarence Martin. Uh, when I first met him, I didn't know who he was. He's a pretty big guy, stocky. And he came in and was a phone telling the water commission meeting, a negotiation meeting with the LA when we used to be in those meetings. And I thought he was like a hip man, because that's how he was. Well, that's how he presented it. I'm an old football player. He's actually my friend now. He's a nice guy. Yeah. But as soon as they, any of their employees start getting on our side because they live here, yeah. they'll move. They'll move. Wow. Yeah, that's exactly what I heard from the elderly. Got retirement those. They they will keep them shifting locally, and then and currently the guy, the head honcho, he said doesn't get along with any of them locally because they're too okay. ingrained in the community. James not is a perfect scapegoat. He'll not care. Yeah. yeah, they just fly him up for the meeting. He's paid $260,000 a year. Because, because he'll become too friendly with them now. James won't do that, though. He's he's not going to be friends with anybody. <laughs> so. So I mean, I think this is workers. another thing that, that's really important for people from Los Angeles to understand is that this is also a case study in an entire culture of colonialization of resources is beyond the water. You know, it, it gets into the, the, the social organism of place and power, and it's just shocking, really. You know, it's, it's, it's so part of our city of Los Angeles, and nobody seems to think it's like, oh, well, that's up there. It doesn't have anything. If you ever visit that mural, if they, if they even know about it, you know, you're right. You need to visit that mural. I'll take you over there. But what that mural on that pink building shows is just like it's got a pump in the middle, but it also sucked the color, the life out of this area and it sent it to LA. Without the water from this valley, LA wouldn't be what it is. But they still want more water because they need growth. Without growth, they don't have jobs. So that's one of the big skate things. It's like, but I look at it as we created a monster, and the monster keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and it wants more and more and more. And if anybody ever wants a mayor wants to get elected, he has to say, "I'm going to create jobs." You can't do it without water. But there's other technologies about water recycling. Jenna's boyfriend, he's right now in Reno. They're studying uh, forward osmosis. There's a lot of studies going on to. Uh, recycle water. One of the biggest problems that you could help with, everybody's afraid from toilet to tap. Because right now what they'll do in LA, even though they recycle water, they have to pump it underground and they'll leave it there for five years and then pump it back up because everybody looks at it as they don't want to drink their toilet water. But uh, Orange County does because they've got past that point. In LA we're actually not allowed to put that <laughs> 
water in the ground at all. Yeah, we
I have, and I'd love to be able to also ask you all here whether you would be willing to be at things like the groundbreaking of the water wheel representing um, this project because you know I don't th this this is important that it's not just at the end that water flows but that you're involved from the get-go if there's a groundbreaking I would want this group there way more than you know the mayor <laughs> <laughs> Control board or just a, it's a just a EWR. Anyway, they brought the Indians to, uh, together with them when they were come up when they first devising the, the California water plan. Mm -hmm. I put it in time because that was about the first year Obama invited the tribe's uh, leadership to go back to to meet meet with them. So that's about probably what eight years back, seven years, eight years. But but this, uh, the guy that made the comment. He, he termed it, it responsibility as opposed to rights. You know, yeah. Anything that we do, that it's a responsible obligation or God-given responsibility to, to conduct ourselves in whatever. Yeah. So you could apply it to water, water rights, or you know, land rights, or you know, probably anything. Yeah. And, and I think uh, Chris probably picked it up from a guy, he's like an icon to me, he's like my, one of my uh, heroes. Uh, Owen Lyons, Owen Daba from, from New York. And and uh, wanna hear, I guess a wise Indian uh, make make uh, make uh, good talk, uh, check them out. But uh, I, I, I like what you say. And and what Terry says about maybe us uh, again uh, resuming our responsibility as indigenous people or just people maybe yeah. to take care of our, our our food, take care of use that water for our food or our medicine. So Shannon has some good good version she introduced herself about that. The water is essential to the food and the medicine and just basic life. So. Hey Mom, do you, do you guys have a do you guys have wild sphere here celebrate your guys' garden over there? No. I have I have seeds. I have a whole jar full of seeds that I've been planting all over the valley in the last couple of years, and um, I got a whole jar if you guys want them. Yeah, the we used to have wild stuff that comes from over the mountains and stuff. That's another thing the WP helped eradicate was asparagus. all kinds of plants, all kinds of little yeah. animals. Would you, would you name some of the things they eradicated? I'd like to know their names. What what has been lost? Besides asparagus. Yeah. Uh, Oh, the things that my boss here tried to bring back, the caboose. Uh-huh. Uh, I think that's pretty, pretty uh, interesting. Watercress is really hard to find as well. So it's only in the high creeks where it used to be a yeah, lot more. Even when I was a kid, it used to be easier to find. The onions are still everywhere, though. What about the Nahavita? Is that, is that harder to find? No, it's certainly harder to find. But it's not a huge, um, it's not a big water user, though, like caboose is. Uh -huh. That's the materials. 
sure. willows. Yeah. Willow. Yeah. The craft materials. The other one is there's lots of root plants. Two leaves. Stuff we can't eat anymore because we don't have any water. <laughs> I was just talking about this with my friends. I'm like, I'd be a Superman if I just got to eat all pure diet. Well, maybe not Superman, but probably still. I mean, just for some figures, like <clears throat> in Big Pine, their minimum pumping is 20,000 acre feet. I mean, 20,000 acre feet don't sound like too much, does it? It's really 6.5 billion gallons of water. So, so we, we did some figures. It's like a football field dug eight feet deep, filled five times a day, and drained for a whole year straight. So, so that's just from Big Pine. And then that Big Pine's the most popular. And then that's the minimum. They're, they're talking about 28,000, I think, maybe this year, which is like 9.5 million. 25, maybe, uh, 25? 23. 23. Yeah. So. And I just showed her those pictures of the water, right, just driving right by the rails, you know, so. Mm -hmm. If you want to visualize what an acre foot, it's about like the size of a football field. So if you, you consider going 10,000 acre feet up, just go 10,000 acre size of a football field. That's a, that's a lot of water. You know, and at times they pump 250,000 acre feet. Or valley at different times. That's where the hillside degree came from because they did that in the bishop area. And the local ranchers just didn't like it. They just said it killed a lot of things. You'd be amazed some of the green spots that I've, I've walked out on and seen that on that one plot book I looked at. It showed where swamps are up the now pure desert. I remember seeing the photo, like the first color photographs I'd seen of the valley. When in it, just it looks so different. I mean, there was a mile on each side of the river that was swamplands and stuff like that, and it's just it's it's degraded. It's almost mind-boggling to see those pictures and see that we still live in that place. You'd be amazed, like uh, the Heinz Heinz Springs, uh, Fish Springs used to naturally push out eight or nine thousand acre feet. Heinz Springs like eight thousand acre feet. Now they're all completely dead. So a flip side of this, um, so the Bishop Height Reservation is 875 acres about, which is about two square miles. And all of the reservations, correct me if I'm wrong, get four acre feet per acre. So for Bishop, that's 3,500 acre feet. And recently, in recent years, um, the Water Commission has been really good about getting annual reports about how much each reservation gets. And I think the lowest that we got was about 17% of what the tribe is supposed to get. So that is 595 acre feet. And one of the problems we realized whenever we brought this to light was that the way that the reservation is building up and the population is growing and that the irrigation system is built because these new houses are going in, a lot of them are going right next to the irrigation gate. And so if we turn that irrigation on, it's gonna flood their houses. And so these are really old systems now that don't work with how it was intended to work. Yeah, because I actually tried to ask about irrigating and that's basically what I was told is that they can't open my irrigation without everybody around me having a plan because it would flood everybody 
Yeah, I get mine for four hours because it floods the entire four houses below. And some people have had their totally cemented off where they actually have livestock, and so they have to put their livestock into the creek, which now the creek is having high bacteria levels oh, because yeah. of livestock being in the creek, not just from the reservation, but upstream as well. So, you know, if there was an answer, and we've, we've started with one very small recharge pond, but the idea is to like have these ponds that can hold this water so that it's not flooding out downstream, but then you have mosquito issues. So it's always like some type of issue. Yeah, yeah. So we would love to have like injection systems where we could just inject it into the groundwater as opposed to sending it down to LA, you know? I think the tribe would much rather, the tribes would probably much rather do that than That's send off the water that we do have. Mm -hmm. Well, then you got a big pine. They're screwing big, big pine really over right now because they're water that they're supposed to come in. Alan can talk about it more, but they've allowed it. Nature just, it's, 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 it's filled with roots and everything. Well, DVP, the tribes asked him, could they root ro 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 or replace it? They won't allow them to. So they can't get their entire allotment of, of irrigation water now. And for about a month, they allowed the water to come up out of the ground, built a little creek, went on, on the edge of the thing, uh, uh, of the reservation, and then DVP said, oh, no, that's wasting it. Well, they haven't allowed them to fix it. And that's just a simple thing of, I'm on a rag on We're going to the <laughs> supervisor's meeting tomorrow. I just call it an act of genocide. It's yeah. Everything they've done to the tribes around here. I think we're all going to. We're all going. We're all going to that meeting. <laughs> yeah. So with your project, and you're saying that it is just, you know, more of a token gesture so that raising awareness is really the issue with water rights. So if you're gonna do something like that, then really promoting and getting awareness out is making the best use of a project like the that. So you're saying a year out, we have a year out to plan and make it as big as we can to like, you know, I mean, assuming it, you know, it's all gonna happen yeah. and they're gonna be on board. We, we, have, we have like a month to figure out what the ask is. Yeah. And then a year to figure out how to make it work. And if we work together, we'll work together. Yeah, we'll we'll work it all out together. But it, you know, we need to figure out an elegant ask, and we need to make it one way or another. We're not doing it unless that's the deal. So you know, it will come down to dollars and cents. Are they? Do they want a hundred acre feet of free water? Well, then. I have the perfect ditch to put it in. Okay. <laughs> okay. Senior, go on the tour. All right. Yeah, we'll be on the tour tomorrow. If you can show me. Okay. Oh, I got to go to the meeting. I know. We're going to do, can we do both? What time's the meeting? Well, I'm actually going to take out yeah. uh, NSC to on the tour tomorrow, too. Tomorrow morning. Okay. Well, we can do it another time if it's not good for you. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, Monty. Monty. How about off the park with Alistair, but Kathy, how about Lone Pine Creek? What do you want to know about it? How, how you don't, how they stopped uh, it running to the reservation where it used to run? We're the only town where the aqueduct is above the town, the reservation. And so, um, but our water rights come from Lone Pine Creek. And, um, but what they did was tear up the ditch it was delivered through. And so now they deliver us water from the aqueduct, which is, the Water Commission has collected data for what, 15 years now at least? 
uh, on comparing Lone Pine Creek to probably 17 years. Yeah, <laughs> Lone Pine Creek to the irrigation water we get from the aqueduct to show that it's not the same. Not the same. Uh -huh. And they even told us, oh yeah, you can have it. But we went up there and there's no way, but we've got to figure out how to get it there. You know, so that's, it's like, because they know we have no funding to do that. And that's a, that's a big problem. Our, our thing is, um, and Lone Pine is one because we haven't gotten any houses built, so we do irrigate most of our reservations, so our groundwater table is up. But where I live, where I live now, used to be a pond, and they filled it in when they built that road. And when I first moved there, I planted every post in water, and there was standing water at the end. But that's dried up over the years, and it's dry there now. Um, and so, so even the air, so now I do need to irrigate, but the irrigation water never reaches down there because our system is so old and we've worked on patchworks and started that. But a problem is a few years ago when our water, our irrigation system was broken and was running into the ditch because there's a, uh, it's a, one of the, a diversion creek off of Lone Pine, main, main Lone Pine Creek ran right through town here. But in high water, it ran other places too, and one of them was a ditch that goes right through the reservation. And um, when our irrigation water broke, it was going to that ditch, and it was going down off the reservation from that ditch into the field by the airport down there, which used to be, there's an actual irrigation reservoir there that when I was a kid, it was all green grass and everything. And it's a lease that St. Car Anchor Ranch has now. And when, when that water was going down there, the EMP came after them because stuff started growing down there. And they were saying that because Tom's cows are in there and they were saying, you're trying to get stuff to grow down there. And he's like, I did. I'm not running water. <laughs> <laughs> and it was us. Because <laughs> 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 we didn't have the funding to fix it, you know? And, and so that was kind of funny, I thought. But. <laughs> but that's the problem and that's the thing is um, they don't want to I live at the very bottom of the line and whenever you flood irrigate the only way you're going to get things wet is if it runs past your place or or you pond it up down there which was what it does a lot too yeah but um, so it runs out across the street and they don't want that at all because it starts growing stuff and uh, so it is a problem I, in Colorado that's funny because um, I had a teacher once and talked about because they, they kind of lived on hill, different ranches, and they flood irrigated, and it worked really good because the top guy would water, but then it'd run off so the guy below them, they didn't ever have to use their full quantity because they were getting flooded from above. But And so they said, well, we're using too much water, let's put in sprinklers. They actually use more water because, cause first of all, you're shooting it in the air so it's, it's evaporating. And, and then you're not getting that runoff from above you. So that's a, out here they got those sprinklers and we sit there and go, really? Because the water doesn't even the hit the ground. In the middle of the day, and in a giant windstorm <laughs> and the water doesn't even touch the ground, it's going yeah. straight out. <laughs> <laughs> it's about in the dust. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but I, I talked to them about that and they said the reason they can't use drip irrigation, because drip irrigation, um, doesn't stop the dust from going. So that's their excuse, I don't get it. What would it take to actually get water from Lone Pine Creek back over to the reservation? We would probably have to run it in pipe. 
typed over the aqueduct. Oh, right yeah. now it just runs, they, they made it so it runs straight into the aqueduct. Right? So it's it would have to be like super duper yeah. engineered to have like one pipe running water over the aqueduct, you know, because it would have it to be. It used to, to where it comes out of the canyon up there, and then it comes straight down like that into the aqueduct. There used to be a ditch that came with Portal Road. And you could see over there where it went. There used to be cotton trees and everything. Yeah, and we used to walk in there. And there, um, there, is, there was just a half pipe over the aqueduct. And it would come down and run over the aqueduct and through Portuguese Campground. And, uh, and it was from the creek. And then they changed it? And then, yeah, they, and they just tore up that whole ditch. So it can't do that. And um, and now they have a thing at the aqueduct that lets water out there and it goes through Portland. And then all the trees up above there all died. So yeah, we got a lot of issues down here. It's kind of crazy. And we were talking about, somebody was talking about them taking over um, land. And right on Tuttle Creek, that was uh, Andrew Glenn had an allotment up there. It was originally 97, 99 acres, I don't know how much they were. When they built the aqueduct, they just built it right through the corner of his place. They never even asked him or anything. So he still had 92 acres left. And he married Annie Glenn Milton, who lived in Independence. She was a good friend of my grandfather's, my grandmother's. And then um, when she was getting old, um, she wanted my dad to have that place. and. Um, and because we had horses and, and everything, she wanted to give it to him. And so they were they wrote up papers and everything to so because he was going to give her some money for it. And um, and because uh, she knew her kids were just selling off and stuff, so she wanted him to have it. And I remember and I went with him to Sacramento, and I always remember that because they went up there and said, no, if they transfer, you've got to pay all the back taxes and all this. This was the DIA told him this and everything. And so it's right here, and he's like, well, I, I don't have money to do that kind of stuff and everything. But if you turn the page, it says, unless you're transferred to another Indian, you know, but they didn't tell him that. But before she even died, DWP was up there clearing that land. So there was already an agreement between, between the Department of Interior and DWP for that piece of property. Because it's right on Tunnel Creek with all the water rights. And they just wiped out that whole place. Jesus. Okay. Let me hear the question. Oh. No, well, go ahead, Mike, please. Oh. No, you go. Oh. I, I just wanted to ask a question because so many um, experienced ones. Uh, what would it take today, realistically, for for the tribes to maintain a ditch system? Like the whole thing. Maintain what? A ditch system to transport water, especially that kind of volume. What? What kind of, I mean, is it feasible today? I think it would help everybody. No, but I mean, is it feasible to maintain? That's my question. What would that take? That, I think that needs to be part of the discussion. Right, exactly. Um, having new water through ditches, you know, it's all fast enough, two weeks grow, and then, then all kinds of, you know, all kinds of issues that we've all run up. Maintenance is required. Bishop, we could do it. We already got all everything in place. Are we trying to basically get the irrigation system? Yeah, it's kind of ready to
underground pipe system. With long pipe, they're just a little different because, I mean, it's it's because the aqueducts above us. Yeah, and they don't get the fresh water like we do out of Mission Creek. And Lake Pine, I'm not sure. I, I think you guys might. Well, you do get a lot of the creek from. Yeah, we got I think the question, though, isn't in our more modern irrigation system. But if we were to to rewater a ditch, do we have the means to be able to maintain That's that ditch? Yeah. Trying to find like you know feasibility on like the most rudimentary way that you could do it. Probably just the traditional way. To tell you the truth, see if that's feasible. And if it is, get right on it. But I think going to Monty's idea of documenting everything that that would need to be part of the discussion. I think is in perpetuity. How's that done and maintained to create the kind of landscapes? It would be really cool to see documented. Um, the just systems exist, or, and and how they how they would be really used to make support I think that. Laura, you'd probably have to do it off of reservation land, what you have it in, in mind. How come? Well, because we have an agreement, well, BIA has an agreement with the city of Los Angeles, so, I mean, we could probably try to come in some type of agreement, but I think it's already established that we, like Bryce said, we get four, four acre feet per acre, so it's probably be better to put it off the land and be just give you like letters of support or something. Yeah. Like, I think it could be done either way. So it's an out, it's, it's an addition to the agreement. Right. It's a it's a extra or yeah. It's like you said, we're not I don't think there's any like either. I'm not sure that it'll be a, it'll be a one-off. You know, if this is where the art part of the story comes in, is that you know I call this work a metabolic sculpture because it has the potential to define life without being an object. It's about the potentiality for life and as as an artwork it doesn't require its perpetual finished productness but it would be a gift of an artwork to the tribe say if that's what it is so that that amount of water would be construed as an artwork as opposed to more water or less water in an agreement it would be in something else quite literally like to us it, it is a, it is art to like to see something that pretty that we revere like that coming back through our waterways again that's how i see it too mm -hmm. oh let me say uh to summarize or to answer your question about some of the foods uh i'll just talk about uh, the uh just uh, some of the protein foods uh like uh, the taboos some of the plant foods uh, and this lady here taught me or uh, reminded me about the pupfish that's pretty much oh, extinct in our area. But we have a project that we're, we've been working on for many years. Since I've been there for, I've been there for nine years. But, uh, and, and then uh, we had this, uh, this So food. was the pupfish a food? Yeah, it was a staple food. It was tiny, right? Yeah. yeah. And there's wasn't it alive until very recently, even in the Owens Islands? It's still it's alive. alive. It's 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 still alive. Sorry, could I just interrupt it for one second? Dr. Published publication. Um, 
we started a publication at the Bunbow Studio five years ago called Puckfish. We had one. <laughs> because it's such a symbolic, it's not a nice mascot. There's a Puckfish coffee shop too, I Yeah. Oh, here we are, the IOU Puckfish. If anybody wants to. Yeah. It was kind of the Austin that I had to meet at With, with the protein foods that, that we don't have or we're not using today and, and, and link it into uh, water rights. Uh, the, probably the, to me, the classic uh, case study or water rights settlement was the Shula River. And they've, uh, that's down by in Arizona, in the Brown Phoenix and Tucson, that big, that, that, that basin there. And, uh, and so they fought for 100 years with litigation and uh, uh, negotiations through, through negotiations, and they just got a settlement in 2004. And Kerry made contact with the governor, Stephen Lewis, and his father is Rod Lewis, who was the attorney uh, that, that pretty much pounded uh, the case uh, for this, to the settlement. But they were, they were able to use the, their health their diabetes conditions as, as, as a way to get their water back because they, you know, they could show that on the reservation lands that they, they had, uh, that they've been using irrigation water from time immemorial. And, uh, and so I, I think that's a, a, a real concern for us because we're, we're suffering pretty much the same, maybe not to the extreme that they've gone through. I think they've been classified as probably the worst case of diabetes in the world. And, uh, and so I, I think uh, uh, the pupfish, uh, I think, is a, is a good project to maybe restore it. I used to be a little bit almost anti-pupfish because I'm basically a redneck kind of person. I'd rather uh, catch big, big German browns, you know, exotic fish. Than, than,
go ahead and have some closing remarks. I, and, uh, I would like to hear from the out of knowledge yes. people. Okay. Any, yeah. any questions you have that we can Or comments or questions? Yeah. You guys want to start? <laughs> Don't argue. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any questions? Uh, I thought, I mean, everything was interesting, especially from the, from the stuff you were talking about. It was really interesting. The, you know, political side of everything as well. And the uh, plans that Ms. Lauren has for the future. Um, when she mentioned, when you mentioned the water bill, I, I processed something in my mind that Millie has spoken to me about, or us actually, that a lot of the places around our area in Lincoln Park are being bought out by these um, big names and companies, or even some, you know, like, yeah, like a lot of gentrification happening. And like I thought about it, and she had mentioned that she had talked to us about it because we wanted to be part of the discussion. And um, like she said, they're pretty much planning on that water wheel to be an attraction for the people that want to come in, you know, so that's kind of like a big problem, mm -hmm. and I mean, they're not going to care about this problem as much as we do, <laughs> you know what I mean, so. And how can you make them? That's um, exactly. They're not part of the, the fact that you came here is like, right. you know. I'm not even from that, I'm, I'm from East LA, and he's actually from Lincoln Park, but since I worked there, like at the moon, at near Metabolic Studio, I've been like opening my eyes and you know, just into these problems because I'm always used to just looking at the problems at East LA about you know, trying to stop education. And when I go to Lincoln Park, it's already happening. So, you know, you see the difference and you see what's going on and you see what could potentially be going on in East LA as well in the near future. So, um, this is all like learning experience for me and especially. Um, I, I actually had an internship at the Metropolitan Water District, and I saw the difference. Um, there's an activist, I think, by um, I'm not sure what it's called, but it's really, really huge. And you can see the difference, the layer of how the water like dried up, since it was like the heat, maybe, or the overconsumption of water. You can see the big difference. Like, you can see from, I don't know, I don't know what it's but it's really, really and I don't know, it's really sad. And like being here, you know, this this place being one of the biggest, one of, one of the providers, or one of the biggest providers of water to Los Angeles is really, it's breathtaking. What's happening? Yeah, what you're talking about, you can go up to South Lake up here, it's right in the big huge watershed up here, or a fish up there. Yeah. It's probably an eight full. It's 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 persisting. I mean, it's not like yeah. it's low. It's it's dead. I mean, it has a hazardous water sign. You can't yeah. fish in it anymore. I, I never understood why they did it. Could never really get a straight answer from anybody. I mean, so Brian is low. There's water in it. It's still a lake. But for some reason, that whole and then that looks really sad. It's not like we're talking about like yeah. low. It's down all the way past all of that to the puddle at the bottom, and yeah. then there's snow and rushing creeks, and then right by all over the place. So, the reason why is because the Act of Congress in 1937 gave LA and the city of the towns of California the rights to the runoff of nascent Sierras. And LA takes it, they order SC to dump yeah. the water. 
from the hole, but yeah, a whole leg. It was both of those legs. It seems like there'd be some kind of legality. Well, legal well that's why uh, the people at SE on Sabrina made them lift it up to 10% because that's what the channel increased. You can't drop, take it all. Yeah. You have to 10%. That's why they went up last year on Sabrina. But they didn't do it on South Lake. Nobody South Lake's complained bad. about it. I know. I walked around it. I climb in it now. It's crazy. There's some good rocks in there, but I shouldn't be in there, you know? That's what's weird about it. It's just stuff I shouldn't be able to see. Brandon, Daniel, do you guys want to contribute? Don't be shy. Don't be shy. The water wheel is very, I, I'm very torn about how I feel about it as a resident of the Heights. On one hand, as an environmentalist, I know that this water wheel is going to make a huge impact in the Owens Valley and just overall awareness of like where Los Angeles gets to water. But as a resident, uh, like that lives like a couple blocks away from the water wheel, going to be, and just thought of it like attracting a whole bunch of like developers who are going to like you know capitalize on my community. It just I don't, I don't know how. It's just very hard. I don't know. I don't know. I love my community so much. I was born and raised there, and I don't know. It's just—it's very interesting to see all these intersections of like wants and desires and like needs and yeah. I don't know. You know, before we're done here, like uh, instead of calling it a water right, could you like title it a water responsibility? Absolutely. And I, I just, I'm just telling you what I have. Right. Right. Which I don't even want. If I do build the water wheel, and I am as torn as a person can be about it. Uh, I would certainly address that water right differently right. and share it with whoever's going to run that giant monster. Because like I'm not going to do it. I <laughs> <laughs> like how the conversation around that went, you know, because uh, you don't believe in water rights, and Monty was talking about the responsibility, you know, 
it's a really major shift in consciousness that needs to happen. And I don't, I mean, I don't know if this would do it, but because it's such a major current going the opposite way, but you know, to, to utilize it for a small shift in that towards that direction of rights and responsibilities, because rights is such an American thing. It's such an American thing to have your rights to like do whatever you want to this as long as this is my property line and that's yours like who cares about the land right and like how do you change it to responsibility and and when you're talking about doing this thing in up in this territory up in the owens valley i feel like not only as we said it could be a good thing to address our, our indigenous and land healing but i really think it's a everybody suffers from historical trauma even the perpetrators i believe you know and i think this country has a ton of guilt you know, maybe they're ignorant to it, but there's a lot of um, the opposite of historical trauma. You know, is, is the people that perpetuated it, and then how do what do we do with that as well? You know, because then they're carrying what their ancestors did, and there's oh my God, my whole adult life has been dealing with you know not people that benefit from privilege but don't feel very good about it. How do we? reconcile that, you know, through this project. I don't know if it's, I know it's a consciousness thing though, you know, so. There's, there's so many consciousness things that this project brings up and, you know, even discussing with, well, I, we don't have time. I'll do that next time. I'd love to hear from, from Monica and Nicholas and Brandon if they want to say anything. Yeah, um, building off of them, these are all things and of course, because we've been working there and we're always having these discussions, always. Yeah. Because we literally, yeah, literally, our brain. Yes. So this is stuff that's always brought up, and it's always an argument that we always have, and it's really hard to um, talk about it. And for me, it's kind of a blur. I can't picture what's going on. Like I can vaguely see what's going on, but to try to understand what's going on is what I'm trying to do here and be here for. Because um, I'm a person that can go back and show this to everyone else, and. The first person I was actually trying to talk to was my dad, which is one of the hardest things, and I, I'm pretty sure it's for everyone too, is their own family, to try to get them to understand. And it's it's really hard. So, but as long as I can get the message out, and then there's, a, there's other things too, it's, um, there's that, uh, to show it to everyone, but then how much how much of a, of a response you're gonna get from that, and then, there's like the quality versus quantity of people and what's actually going to happen. And um, so it's everything is just, there's so much. And I don't know, it's, I guess it's just in getting informed and trying to get that message out. It's, Which message? The message of um, consciousness of, you know, of everything that's happening. Yeah. Starting off here, starting locally, yeah. and then seeing what's happening, what's um, what's happening locally that's uh, affecting uh, the surrounding areas from that, and then like acting, uh, what is it? Acting locally, but thinking globally, mm-hmm. and so it's just a campaign. There's so much to say. I don't, I don't know what, what to say, <laughs> except for I, you know, whatever we can do and whatever. You know, we can physically start doing. I want to jump on and whatever we can do. I have a response to that. I always say, Owens Valley is a microcosm of what's happening around the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what's happening. Mm-hmm. People learn how to, 
steal water from us. Other people learning are learning how to take care of it. Yeah. Just to add real quick to what he said with Chris is, is that you have to take ownership and I think that's the whole thing is redefining what it is. And even if you're changing those commonly accepted terms just to make people think you, you just rename everything. It's like like we've got to renaming the Owens Lake in our native places. It's taking that ownership and making and when they have, they buy into it, it's like they recognize, oh, maybe this isn't ours, you know. And that's the thing is, you have to get people to commonly use water responsibilities and not common them right, you know. And I think that's an important first step, and it's an easy thing to do. Mm -hmm. I think that it's critical to get that message out, to create the awareness, and we can reconnect to where our water comes from, where our water comes from, and that's what we're doing in LA. Uh, 
to be a voice for you in the belly of the beast, essentially. You know, I fight every day against all the, the negative and all the stuff down there as, as who we are and, and to perpetuate you know, the, the movement towards responsibility and, and, and our actions and, and our taking ownership that we may not be the cause of these problems, but we have a responsibility to take care of them. So, thank you. Okay, thanks for you. I just wanted to thank you, Diego, for your bravery. And, um, you know, I, there are so many emotions that I feel in this conversation, and, you know, with what everyone's saying, but particularly with what you're saying and what Kathy said about Lone Pine Creek, that just, it's really, really heartbreaking. Um, and I just wanted to bring it back down to what I believe is the root cause of all evil, which is capitalism. And I know I did this last time too, but I think it's really important to bring that into this conversation again as we're winding up, which is that we are facing an extremely difficult and scary time to be any being on this planet, plant, animal, human, we obviously are animals, but I think that it's really frightening because we are the ones with the steering wheel. And when we're talking about these issues, you know, what what do you do, Diego, in a neighborhood that's going to be decimated because of something that has a greater good and what, how do we deal with this situation? And I think when looking at it, it's that you have power and that's what we forget as individuals, which is that Collectively, we are stronger than the systems that we think control us. And it's really important to not forget that. And it's really important to remember that exactly what's happening right now, which is collectively talking about these issues and not letting them just simmer and die down, you can't go out without fighting. And if it is going to mean going out, it's going to mean everything, you know? And I, I feel you about community. I feel overwhelmingly connected to the land that I grew up on and I think it's part of like you said growing up in a world with extreme guilt and extreme oppression we're facing all sorts of ties that hold us to this ground and to the earth that we walk on that are really strong so we need to beat capitalism basically and beat it really well and know where we're going and know how we're going to be dealing with most importantly, water, because that is all that matters at the end of the day. And I just can't thank everyone enough because I feel so grateful for what each and every one of you have brought to this conversation and what each and every one of you do in your lives. And I promised myself I was going to be an active listener today and not talk because <laughs> I talked so much last time. So I just, I just wanted everyone to know that I'm listening with so much love. So thank you. I'd like to say these words of wisdom I got from this old lady. Never say you can't, because you can. All you have to do is try. Billy Baker used to always say that. Yeah. So, you know, that's what you're doing. You're trying, at least. Yeah. And I like that. Yeah. And, you know, also, part of the process of being an artist is you work with opportunity. I'm not bound to complete this body of work. The work takes its own form. And this is part of the creative process for me, this collective imagining 
of the next iteration of our lives. You know, we are part of the same watershed. We are all related. Um, and you, I feel it here way more than I do in the city. <laughs> so that's why I come here. I come here for a feeling of participatory civic responsibility to one another and to Mother Earth and to this very dangerous moment that we're all sharing on the <coughs> You know, it really is a, a very unusual moment we're all living together through. And it makes sense to me that water that falls into the high Sierra will once again reach the floor of this mountain. Whether it's through bargaining with the LADWP or through some other twist of life, this feels like in my body's DNA, like a smart place to be. Uh, and, and I acknowledge that's what brings me up here is that I feel that it's a connected place that is right now temporarily and profoundly disconnect, disconnected, but it, it will re regain its vitality. So shall we continue this together? <laughs> I think we should have another uh, meeting uh, and move, move, can you move up, Kathy, please? What were you gonna say? I was just gonna say one thing that, you know, when, when I started fighting for the Owens Lake and saying we parked out there, and for Diego, you know, you, I, you, you feel it in yourself. It's like, why am I doing this? You know, I'm fighting this big monster. And do I have any chance? And, you, and then you got other people telling you, why are you wasting your time? You know, you're never going to be DWP and everything. But can you live with yourself? I told him, I, if I didn't do anything, can I live with myself the rest of my life, knowing that I didn't do everything I could to make this happen? And, and that's that's what drives you. Could you take a paycheck from DWP? Uh, they pay me. Yeah. Sometimes for, I, I got a paycheck. <laughs> 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 no, because <laughs> no, they pay us for mileage to drive to those meetings. All the trucks get paid. <laughs> but that's back to the capitalism, you know. I, know. I mean, I'm like, yeah, exactly. But we just get paid to help us out because we have to drive to work. I'm not giving you a hard time. I just know <laughs> people not at this meeting. Great Mason also pays me and so does everybody else. Monty. Once in a while. <laughs> cool. I'll you paid by DWP. I, I like used to have a lot of Indian, mostly men, I guess. Yeah. So they used to work, you know, and they retired. Yeah. Most of them are, you know, have left us. There's still a lot of young ones that work. Indian people. And uh, I don't see it so much on Bishop, but that's something that. Once we, I guess, uh, I don't know what the term is, adjudicate uh, this, this, this watershed, or you know, we, we decide, or it's decided that we're, we're, we get a settlement of so much, how to manage that, and uh, and and, and I, I believe that you know, mankind physically can turn the spigot of all these water source. and so you know, I'm. I just think that working to manage the water is, is would be a honorable uh, profession or uh, career because, like Harry said, uh, you know we elected our 
our head water our, our head waterman years ago, and uh, so. Can I, I, I can I actually just share uh, also a response about this whole uh, gentrification thing? There's a dominant conversation in Los Angeles about the revitalization, as a word they use, of the LA River. It's 100% about development and commercialization of a wastewater storm drain into a real estate uh, uh, engine. The real question facing us in our next meeting, if we can go there together, is is there room for another conversation about uh, the LA River, which is about not looking at gentrification as the only way to think about the water that we're going to, if we go ahead with the water wheel, there is, is it important to be part of that conversation, which right now, Nobody, we're not even in the conversation because we're so far outside of the gentrification package that nobody even talks about us. Is there ways that we can collectively put our brains together to become part of that conversation and speak sense to you know, treating water and treating society differently through this project or not? Because it really, I, I, my worst nightmare would be to go through all of this and then become part of the great big alienation machine, which is even colonizing wastewater for a profit. <laughs> and that's that that could happen. Yeah. That could that could definitely happen. It's not worth doing. If it's it's better to fail on the do nothing category. You know, it's better to do nothing than to contribute to that situation. But it might be worth exploring what could you do before you say, I'm not doing it, to enter the conversation with a different agenda and see if one could nudge that forward. Because again, the conversation about the LA River is completely devoid of responsibility to water right now. It's all about commodification and reappropriation of water for Cult, you know, for cultural amenities and cultural attraction. And it really does not speak to healing or uh, anything anything that needs to really be spoken to. So I would say it would be that would be a next conversation. Um, and we'll obviously take it wherever we're going. And we're suggesting the 18th of July. Yeah, we're suggesting the next meeting to be Monday, July 18th at 5 o'clock here. A show of hands, can I see who would be interested in attending? Yeah, no promises. <laughs> Any last words or comments or questions before we say hi? I do. Uh, like I said earlier, if you don't try, you're trying, and I like that because I've met four LA City Council members and Tom and Bonds before I did that. And I've been current, or one of the commissioners, I can't remember that old congressman's name, but yeah, I push this idea, but my own, I go so far. You could push it farther than I can. And I understand that, and I, I like that because we also have members of the, the community down there. And that is important. 
can see it happening right now. Even just a conversation is better than nothing. And that's what I, I really like. And speaking of conversation, those of us from Metabolic Studio will be present tomorrow at the yeah. 10 o'clock board of supervisors. So thank you for inviting us tomorrow. Yeah. All right, this concludes our meeting. Thank you. Uh,